five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything to do with the Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans. I am Chris at Light Force, the voice coming to you from the great beyond, otherwise known as uh, Richmond, uh, joined virtually <laughs> by Omni at Omnistripe, also coming uh, from, from, the uh, great from the great beyond. Uh, not with us tonight is Sam at another Sam Chan. Uh, he's caught himself a little bit of the flu or a cold or... Hopefully nothing really. worse than that. <laughs> He's, I mean, he sent us a note. I'm out tonight, not feeling well, so. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he just didn't want to, you know, hang out with the two of us. Do that's it, it. Do we let it slip this time around, or are we taking a cut from his paycheck again? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm the generous one. Like, you know me, I just, I don't want to take away pay, but if you want me to. I will. I will, if, I will if you don't. So, okay, Sam, <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast, uh, your uh, next paycheck's going to be just a, just a little yeah. bit smaller. And I was looking forward to talk to him about like how the season is over, uh, but the finals were great, and LeBron now has four championships. What a ride <laughs> oh, these finals oh, were! Oh, those finals! Yeah, yeah, oh, that season's were over finals too. too? Mm-hmm. I, I I see what you're throwing down. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Um, but no, there have been a whole lot of finals that have happened over the course of the past uh, week, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll get into at least one of them, uh, depending on who takes the reins of this episode, <laughs> might determine which of the two. Uh, but uh, yeah, we've got some news on the uh, the front of the Defiant, uh, maybe the Titans, who knows, uh, Grand Finals has it done. And then uh, there's a lot of stuff sort of going on in the world of the Overwatch League, kind of like there was the week before we'll get into all the usual suspects. Uh, but uh, you know what? Let's uh, go straight to the payload. Moving the payload. Join me. Kicking the payload off, we wanted to talk a little bit about the Toronto Defiant. As we've talked about episodes past, they currently have a community hero nomination. In effect, it's a process to go and find someone that best represents the Toronto Defiant community and the effort uh, within it. They announced that uh, the selection committee for this Community Hero Award is going to be comprised of Karku, who we'll talk about uh, more and shortly, uh, Albless, the, the GM of the Toronto Defiant, and then Alicia Porter, who is a representative from Toronto Dominion Bank, which is one of the sponsors. In fact, I think it's the key sponsor of this Community Hero Award. Deadline to apply, October 16th. And if you know of someone, or maybe yourself, to uh, nominate defiant.gg slash community dash hero is where you would go. Um, so yeah, I mean, we've talked about this uh, as being a, a phenomenal initiative and it's one that I really, you know, I want to reiterate, I really appreciate a team like the Toronto defiant looking to recognize those within the community. Uh, and I do hope that uh, other overwatch league teams follow suit. I believe there's a few others that have done this as, as well, but you know, for, for the two that we pay attention to, it's definitely nice that the defiant are, are stepping up to the plate. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what will com- come of this, uh, especially looking forward to reading about some of the community figures that will be chosen. Hopefully it's not just 
one winner, but we get to hear more about like uh, other uh, key, you know, candidates. Yeah. And I mean, it will be interesting as to how it goes. Cause you're right. Will we know more about those that sort of like how the nomination and the selection process will go? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if they would necessarily identify too many, like not everyone's going to go and be, be showcased. Um, but it would be, you're right. I think it would be nice to know, okay, here's our community hero. Here are some others that are doing well in the community. The one sort of caveat to that is, would you do that? Like, I, I don't, part of me wonders is would that discourage them from, you know, being nominated again? Like, I, I don't know how the process will work. So this will be the first. And I mean, we're obviously looking forward. There are some phenomenal people in the community. Um, if I was a betting man, I would give a, a, a big nod to uh, Richard Great Root Bear. Um, mm -hmm. I, I mean, he is really involved within the Defiant community and he's been obviously involved in the Overwatch uh, League scene for quite some time. Uh, and that's not to suggest there isn't other, you know, people out there that are just as deserving. It's just Richard's one person that I know is, is, uh, you know, really involved. Yeah. And these are people that we bumped into even before we became uh, a Toronto and Vancouver podcast. So it just mm -hmm. goes to show how uh, far reaching is uh, involvement is. Correct. Um, we also mentioned Karki, who we were going to talk about. Well, it was announced this past week that the Toronto Defiant and he will continue their partnership. So Karki will continue to represent them uh, through the next season as one of their content creators. But I don't know if that's actually the biggest news that, that comes out of this. Because guess who is going to be joining us here at RSP for a segment next week? I'll give you, I'll give you only one guess, Omni. Um, sure for. Okay, we asked for sure for wasn't <laughs> available. No, Karku, he uh, Nathan will be joining us uh, to record a segment uh, for our next episode. Um, so first of all, this is going to be a, a good get. I mean, he is so knowledgeable about uh, Overwatch. He's a content creator, obviously, just as we are. I mean, I, I'm going to glean as much information out of him as I can possibly get uh, to not only provide for a better production, but a you know, better experience. And he's so well-spoken. Like I'm really looking forward to this interview with them. Uh, and on that note, I mean, if you have any questions that you would want us to, uh, to present to CarQ, uh, all that you need to do is just let us know. I mean, drop us uh, a note in, in, uh, RSP discord, uh, shoot us a note on Facebook or on Twitter, Instagram, wherever on social, you know, we'll do our best to, to, to ask them, but I'm really looking forward to, uh, to our interview. And I think you're going to join me uh, for that, right? Yeah, that's right. Looking forward to it as well. Maybe he'll give me some, uh, you know, tips not to uh, throw every game where I play Ana instead of Zen. <laughs> well, I, I thought I would be teaching him how to play Reinhardt. <laughs> well, maybe on the Rhine, perhaps. Well, I actually, if we were to really work into podcast lore, I probably wouldn't have much to teach him on Reinhardt, but Junkrat. Definitely. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. But, uh, you know, yes, Karki is joining us next week. So look forward to that episode. Uh, and as you uh, can expect, it goes live Wednesday, high noon Pacific, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern. And then we have the team out here in Vancouver. And I uh, am happy to say they still exist. So let me check. Oh, yeah. Our website is still up. Yeah. You know, I, I get that they're isn't maybe an opportunity for news to be shared. Like we've talked a little bit about some of the things they've been up to. Most of it's been sort of content release. Rolf is getting showcased quite a bit. He's doing these sort of like game reviews for one of their, uh, their, you know, marketing sponsorship partners. 
But I was actually thinking about this. Wheats announced that he was no longer with the Titans, but the Titans have not announced that Wheats is no longer with them. Now we're going to get into more of what might be going on behind the scenes in the fray, because I think this is sort of something that's impacting the entire Overwatch League. But it's such a sort of odd situation where you have your coach saying, I'm no longer there, and a team that's sort of remained silent. Like, we haven't even got a, you know, thank you, Wheats post. Granted, if we think back to the old roster when it was, you know, dearly departed, really only two people got their own individual thank you. Uh, One was Pagion, the other was Genuine, and the rest got just sort of the press release. So maybe we're, we're placing too high expectations on the Titans. That said, just you know, look out to across the Rockies and the prairies out east of Toronto. And, you know, when they made their decision uh, to move on, um, they had an announcement and, you know, they shared that news. So, you know, different ways of doing business. But uh, as you and I have just confirmed, the Vancouver Titans still, for the time being, exist. Yeah, well, to be fair, every time we did get the news, uh, it came in droves. So maybe... Uh, maybe it's coming. We're just like waiting for a big flood of, uh, news. Instead of- and it'll all, it'll happen on a Wednesday. Probably. Probably. Yeah. That's, that is the, uh, the drawback things happen on Wednesdays. Tomorrow and- it'll be announced that they're rebuilding around bumper again. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh man, that would be so awesome. Okay. <laughs> let me rephrase that. It wouldn't be awesome for obviously some of the players who would no longer be with the team. But, you know, Bumper will always have a special place in, in RSP's heart. I mean, he's such, he's such a good kid. I mean, at least in our interactions with him, obviously. Uh, but that's that's all we got for the Defiant and the Titans. Obviously, uh, stay tuned for more. If it happens to break, uh, you'll see us talk a little bit about it on social. And the place to always look for information and commentary is Ready, Set, Pwn Discord. Join that by going to discord.io slash ready, set, So we'll take ourselves a short break and get ourselves into the fray. Hey everyone, Extra Life is looking for gamers. Extra Life from Children's Miracle Network Hospitals raises money through gaming of all kinds. Every dollar raised stays local to help our children's hospital when they need it the most. Play games any day and fund vital life-saving equipment, charitable care, research, and more. For all the details on Extra Life, go to extra-life.org. Connect with thousands of other gamers. Play games, heal kids, extra-life.org. The grand finals are done. And no, we're not talking about the fact that the Lakers went and won the, uh, Larry, is it the Larry O'Brien trophy in the NBA? That's right. My you, goodness. You do have some knowledge about this uh, okay. basketball thing. We may have an episode. I mean, if the bet holds true, we will have an episode where we talk about basketball. But as much as I, I knock the sport, I was a big Vancouver Grizzlies fan for the short period of time that they existed, despite how horrible of a team (laughs) a performance they had while they were here. So, I mean, I do know some, but we're not here to talk about the NBA. 
we're going to talk a little bit about grand finals weekend. So uh, if we rewind back to last week's episode, the, the group of us felt that the San Francisco shock were going to win, but where we started to get led askew and this actually had to do with Sam was the performance of the soul dynasty. So Sam had suggested that the soul dynasty might be the team to watch out for. And I, if I, I, I'm trying to recall, I should have, you know, listened to that part of the episode before we, we hit record here. But if I recall, he had them, uh, either potentially beating the shock first off, but I think we sort of settled on that wouldn't happen the first time around, but they would find them. They were close, but they would find themselves into the loser's bracket. And at that point, that team would go and make a run. Right. So fast forward to the weekend and what happens uh, to uh, kick the uh, you know event off. The San Francisco Shock and Soul Dynasty have a back and forth match where the Soul Dynasty, you know, took the Shock to the final bell. Yeah. Like it, it, I'm not going to lie. I didn't want, did not watch it live, but you know, what I did see of it through highlights, I was like, wow, the dynasty were that close to top setting the, the shock to, to really set the tone as to, you know, regional dominance. Yeah. It's surprising how they do that time and time again. Maybe it's the meta, but I don't think it's just the meta having a player like profit who always rises to the occasion. And every time the, the lights shine brightest, so to speak, he just, turns up a notch right he's becoming mm-hmm. like a truly gl- great player and then they're especially their first game against the shock we'll get to the final game too but they have this sort of ability to, to come back from adversity and every time they got and they often did uh you know went uh in a deficit like uh losing a map and then coming back losing another map and then coming back i, I don't know where that comes from but like every time they take damage they just become stronger so props to them. Definitely a uh, uh, um, pleasant surprise to these finals where everybody expected, you know, just the shock and, and dragons to be like the main event. Well, and, and you know, mm. conceivably that almost occurred. Right. Um, you know, so let's sort of talk briefly about that matchup between the fusion and the dragons. I'm not entirely sure if the fusion actually made the trip to, to the no. Asia region or, or <laughs> what the problem is here. Um, but the dragons suffered no issue against the fusion, uh, you know, three overwatching them nice and yeah. nice and clean. Very, very one-sided. So that meant that the dynasty and the fusion went down to the losers bracket, uh, carrying over the shock and the dragons to face off in what we had thought would be the first of two matches between the two teams to determine who the grand finals champion would become again, an equally entertaining and good matchup between these two. I mean, the shock won three, two, but unlike the, the dynasty upset where you thought, could the dynasty do this? These were sort of two heavyweight boxers slugging it out. I'm old. So I'm going to say this is like Rocky Balboa and Apollo Creed. (laughs) And I think if those two were to have gone at it again, it's possible we might've seen, the dragons, you know, beat the shock. Like it felt that sort of back and forth close in my mind. So you're saying one day we'll get a sequel featuring Flata's son or something like that. (laughs) Quite (laughs) possibly. Yeah, quite, quite possibly. Now, you know, before people go and, 
and lose their mind. Like, whoa, whoa, Chris, Chris, wait, 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 wait. The shock were up two maps to O, and then the dragons had to go and force the reverse sweep. True. I, I agree. Like the way it sort of went, it's like the dragons sort of were coasting, but I feel that the dragons were within striking distance. Right. It's like, I mean, think back to the grand final between the Vancouver Titans and the San Francisco shock. The first two maps that the shock won, the Titans were in it. It's just that the shock were better. Now where things fell apart was map three and in map four was just, I mean, there's no way the Titans were going to reverse sweep the, the San Francisco shock. So, you know, that was that this felt a lot different. Yeah. And I think it was at this point that I kind of wish that it was first to four, not first to three. Agreed. Yeah, because uh, going into map three, right, it was Volsky Industries, and that one was also like a back and forth map. And and had the Shock won that one, and they were pretty close, they could have swept the, the, the poor dragons, but they uh, faced adversity and they won that one. And then they dominantly uh, took Gibraltar. So mm-hmm. the momentum was on, on their side, but was it really? Because um, on Busan again, uh, Shock uh, prevailed really but that was uh i felt like i I don't know if it makes a lot of sense but i feel like the dragons did match up a little bit better with the shock against the shock i mean to say but like it's it's more of a matter of 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 map preferences and what they ran that the the dragons really couldn't deal with especially when super came to play on that hog what a revelation that was (laughs) well first and foremost did did anyone have super playing as much as he did <laughs> no i mean the last time he was featured this heavily was when he played uh, uh genji. genji of all things <laughs> yeah but suddenly he's like a hog uh a savant going up against you know the likes of 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 gesture and who was it that played that was it stan one who played um no fearless i think was the one on on the dragons who played uh was it stan one or void uh, play dog. Doesn't matter. But anyways, he was definitely the best uh, uh, hog that we saw. Yeah, I, I, I just again, you know, you, you you consider that you know, super got the the play that he did on a hero that you would never have expected him to play. It goes to show one, I think, the depth of the shock. Yeah, but two, it actually goes to show how dedicated super is to overwatch like you know he often was inferred to be sort of not a ryan one trick i know people would say that was bumper but he wasn't as flexible as someone like you know choyobin or or smurf would be and if you had to have a you know a a main tank that could adjust and then in choice case the off tank but again i think choy could arguably just just as well Super wasn't necessarily a guy, but he's now starting to evolve his his own strengths. And I'm not talking about becoming a Genji. No, I'm talking yeah. about he he's giving additional options, additional looks. Um, so, I, I I definitely agree with you. It's not that he's a one trick on the Rhine, but they just have the luxury of having Smurf, who is like the best Winston, and Choi, who is the best Sigma. So he doesn't it doesn't really have to flex as much no and it, but he, and i guess sort of what I'm, I'm sort of pointing out is yeah when it comes to reinhardt you know super is it but then when you start to look at sort of his his remaining hero pool um strength there's better choices and so if you think of like the law of averages he doesn't necessarily become your first pick if you were going to put him in yeah. but what does this kid go and do he goes and you know whether it's through scrim stream or practice 
you know, focuses on what he needs to get done. This is, this is the type of player I think. And I, again, you, you love super or you hate super. It's the type of player teams need for them to be successful. I think he gets it. I think he's good for the league. It would be unfortunate if for some reason, super doesn't remain in the overwatch league. And let's say it goes to Valorant, like, you know, Sinatra had, had done, but I don't see that occurring. So yeah. anyhow, that means the San Francisco shock find themselves a uh, free ride through to the grand final. They don't no longer get that, you know, safety net of the double elimination. The dragons, however, they head down to the loser brackets. Who is it that the dragons are going to play? Well, they're going to play the winner of the soul dynasty, Philadelphia fusion, which I think going into that match, most people said was going to be another even fight. But as we already heard, the Philadelphia fusion didn't show up. Like I, I don't know what to say about the fusion. Like you might point out, well, Chris, they played the two Asian representatives and you know, the Asian region stronger and except San Fran is at the top. This wasn't the fusion that we had seen playing up to this point. Yeah. Something was really wrong. Like, I, and I don't know how to explain it. Like, I don't know what, what was wrong. Like if it was like, I don't know, jet lag or like, I mean, just looking at this, this matchup here, I mean, the dynasty, you know, yeah, the fusion got ticks on control, but the dynasty essentially were going to win. Uh, you look at, you know, King's row and soul just rolled. And then on Anubis, I mean, yeah, Anubis is going to go obviously to, to more points, but again, it was the fusion, like they were playing from behind the entire like fight. I just, I don't know. Probably problems with the meta and never really getting a grasp of it, of how to run it. They, they felt like really disconnected, not just from, you know, uh, fighting the maps properly, from each other, really, it felt like no trust was there, yeah. and, and Sato was back to being, you know, oh lol, Sato is dead again, and you know, Alarm wasn't his usual self. Carpe, well, I I don't know what's going on with Carpe because he had a resurgence during the late um, part of the season, and he's back to Carpe of the beginning of the year where he wasn't as good as he uh, supposed to play, right? Yeah. Uh- you know, the thing about the meta not really understanding it, you've had an entire playoff series. Like, it's not like there was a new hero, a new patch, or yeah. an adjustment. I get that you haven't faced a, a, a Soul Dynasty or a Shanghai Dragons team. Uh, and, you know, actually, I don't even know if they played either of them in the early going, but... It was a bit different uh, here, at least in, in the Grand Finals with the Hanzo and Widow. Uh, True. Approach. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So Soul gets through the Philadelphia Fusion. Philly showed up for, you know, Thursday and Friday, and that was their weekend. Uh, Soul, however, then needed to go and play the Shanghai Dragons with uh, no break whatsoever. Now, this one was a really entertaining match. Uh, it went back and forth. I mean, essentially, it was, uh, you know, loser picks the next map to win. But soul was just outright dominant on Dorado. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I, I rewind back to when the dragons beat the, the Titans 
in in stage three of last year. It was on Dorado where where the Titans just struggled and finally Shanghai beats them. But things just fell apart. And then we get into Oasis and at that point, you know, Seoul had the Mo. Right. I, I don't know what it is about them, but again, they suddenly rise up and, and they they let you know. It's it's very reminiscent of how dominant uh, teams could uh, were like during GOATS with, with our squad even uh, when every map that you played against them was so uh, uh, dominant and just just you could see the depression through... I don't know if it makes a lot of sense, but through the body language of the heroes, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just like a role, uh, despite them playing pretty well up to that point. But Dorado, like you said, was uh, atrocious. Oh, it, it, it was. Like Soul, Soul essentially knew what they wanted from that map and they they made it happen. Like, again, it's hard to go and, and use this as a comparable because of all the changes that occur over the course of the season. But the Seoul Dynasty played the Shanghai Dragons over the course of this past season, prior to this matchup, seven times. How many times did the Seoul Dynasty win? One, two. <laughs> they, they won once. Okay. Now, they won back on in week 14, they won 3-2. The only, really, they only made it close uh, one additional time. Well, they made it close two, but like, the Shanghai Dragons were beating the Seoul Dynasty easy. And we talked about the Dynasty as being this team. We couldn't figure out, like, you know, ups and downs. Maybe, yeah, they found this meta. But, my goodness, they suddenly just, they were definitely playing the underdog. But it's kind of like Sam had mentioned. They're this team that just suddenly, like, flips the switch and becomes just this powerhouse. And this is where we saw it. And I, I, I remember when they beat the dragons and, and they're going to go on and, and play the, the shock. I'm immediately thinking, Oh my goodness, Sam is the prognosticator Supreme. He is, he is forevermore going to be known as the guy who simply tells you who to, to bet on. Cause you know, he's, he's going to get it right. I just guess that we never truly properly allocated the sandbagging meme, uh, to the right team. Right. Well, but that's a, gone- <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, did it look like the dynasty were sandbagging? Like, even like even looking at them play here, it's not like they were playing in such dominant fashion. Like, this wasn't like you know last season where the sh- yeah. shock get upset and suddenly it's like screw this, and they proceed to lose zero maps that point onward. Like the dynasty didn't look that powerful, but yet they didn't seem to be able to lose. And so that, you know, sets up this, this grand final against the San Francisco Shock. Now, the final score, I'm just going to spoil this right off the bat. San Francisco Shock win 4-2. to two. Now, you look at that score, you would be like, oh, okay, it was close. Well, it kind of wasn't until it was. Yeah. Like, it looked like it was going to be 4 Overwatch. Yeah, like, shock. maybe the shock are just playing with their food, but maybe not because here comes Seoul again being dominant on Gibraltar. They have something with, with these maps where they just they have the ability to fully hold you when they're not supposed mm-hmm. to. And you know the the thing about Gibraltar though, that was a shock pick. 
That wasn't that right. wasn't a dynasty pick. The sh- the shock picked because they lost to the dynasty on Hanamura. Mm-hmm. Hanamura was where the dynasty were able to sort of like stem the bleeding. You know, we consider that the team was able to go and take that that breather and you know get themselves recommitted to the game plan, whatever it happened to be. And it's not like when you know on King's Row they were completely out of class, but uh, once the dynasty started to again get that momentum and they shut the shock down on Gibraltar. Like it was like watching the Vancouver Titans play Gibraltar against anyone. Right. It it was just unbelievable. Now San Francisco wins Busan 2-0, but it wasn't like 2-0. The shock are now dominant. The shock squeaked by the dynasty here. And arguably the winner of this map in my mind is the team that is likely now going to win because momentum will have shifted so significantly yeah. to the dynasty's side that I don't know if the shock recover come map six. So they were able to go and themselves stem that bleeding that the dynasty had, which then sets up map six Hollywood. And now the San Francisco shock simply show why they are the best team in the overwatch league. Yeah. Especially with Super back to his shenanigans on on the hog, but but to be to be like serious, this meta is is a lot about momentum because um, the widow play that we saw both from Ans and Fitz was crazy, and then the damage that um, Striker and and uh, Prophet were able to output on the Hanzo, you could have gotten uh, a pick going into any fight really before any ults were on board or before the cooldowns were off. So it's, so it was kind of like the opposite of trying to cycle. Like uh, we were used to from slower metas, but it was like, Oh, let's peak. Let's not peak. Boom. There's a, there's a kill. And then everybody just follows along unless uh, the mercy uh, gets a res. It was quite interesting to see. So when momentum turned to one team, uh, it definitely could carry uh, into a snowball. So maybe that's why uh, a lot of the, not just single fights, but maps went back and forth. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I have to agree with that. You're right. I mean, it's. Yeah. It, Except for maybe the Sigma ult that was more of a, of a catalyst to a victory or not, but it was a lot, man, these snipers are crazy. It looked like. Because you have to understand, these are the best players in the world and the positioning is on point and communication is on point. And yet to be able to get a pick or two in every fight was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm almost that good. <laughs> almost. Junkrat is not really a sniper. What are you talking about? I, was... I click heads with Junkrat all the time. I've got like the physics down. Like I'm doing That's like the, the trigonometry and aiming the the, the, the trigger nometry, you mean? <laughs> yes. Because I was triggered as hell. Oh, that's totally it. Um, but yes, the San Francisco Shock are the back-to-back Overwatch League Grand Champions and arguably going into a season that we don't know what would look like are, I mean, they keep this team together. I don't know another team that can take things away from them Not short true. of it changing yeah. the game, right? Like, Not truly a shocker, pun intended. Oh, uh, I see what you did there. <laughs> um, speaking of shockers, Striker, Grand Finals MVP. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take it. Maybe there are stats that we're not aware of, but but 
being able to output that amount of damage on the Hanzo. And he definitely had a, a ton of fights where he carried. Uh, maybe it's more of a like uh, recognition to his, you know, longevity in the league that kind of gave sure. him the edge over Ans or or maybe Choyobin, but uh, he played really well, especially in the maps where where Shock won. Well, that makes a lot of sense, <laughs> but but what I mean is a lot of the time uh, when it felt like a, a fight wasn't winnable or or uh, they needed something to happen, some magic to happen. There was Tracker, and and uh, yeah, maybe we we already expect Ans to get a pick or two in any fight, anyways. Uh, but maybe it was Striker who who enabled him to do that. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not trying to take away from Striker. I mean, it's a good team all around. I just, I think I, I would have given it to Choi. No, it's a challenge, right? You could right. you could have given it to anyone really on the on the team. Well, and again, that's my point. Like, it really, when I say Shocker, I'm 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 exaggerating. Yeah. They, they were a a good team. Only one is picked, and it is a fan vote, so. Generally speaking, well, there you go. Yeah. Fans pick, you know, the pop off as opposed to the actual. Like, and this is my struggle when it comes to many sort of MVP awards. Like, I'm of the belief the most valuable player is the one that, if you were to take away, yeah, drastically alters the team's performance. The shock, unfortunately, are so good. You dr- you take a Choi out of the mix. And they've got an option to plug right in. Like that's that's how yeah. strong that team is. Yeah, and truly a testament to the fact that if you look at the roster that won the championship uh, last year, it is different. It is. Yeah, I mean, that, and that again, it could be it could be different next year. It's just they're they're a good team, and you know, from us here at Ready Set Pone, uh, congratulations to the shock, to the the ownership group, uh, to all the staff, the players. I mean you've you've done you've done well you did it last year we ate some crow you did it this year <laughs> you're the real deal do it again next year and uh, i believe they call that a dynasty mm-hmm. but now that the grand finals are done the next thing to occur in the overwatch league typically speaking is player movement and interestingly enough uh both moth and boombox who were playing in the grand finals weekend shared that they were free agents. Uh, now the one that seemed to trigger the most conversation was moth, uh, whether or not this was intended or whether or not, you know, moth understood sort of that. Yes, he is a free agent eventually, but not quite yet there. And I don't know if the team had, had a conversation like uh, that part's quite unclear. Cause he's since gone and deleted the tweet and tried to have a clarification and deleted that too. Uh, but him saying that he was a free agent had the GM of the San Francisco shock comment that, well, yes, while he might be become a free agent this season, he is a free agent to all teams, including us. Like, it's not like we're not winning. We don't want him back. So kind of weird, but because both moth and Boombox announce on social that they're free agents. And again, these are two players who had some, pretty integral moments on in the teams that they were playing for who were arguably quite successful, say for maybe the future performance in the finals may or may not have prompted John Spector <laughs> to go and add some clarifications on, on Twitter. 
So, so John Spector tweeted out, I'm just going to sort of read this um, in a sort of a compressed format. Uh, he shared that as of October 12th, it is the first day that teams can make trades for 2021. And that free agency has not yet opened up. That's going to open up next week. He's seen a lot of interactive information, so he wanted to do a quick attempt at correcting what it is he knows. So he goes on to say that it is possible that players may choose to share their contract status with fans or that some teams might announce roster moves in real time, though you know, pending free agency doesn't actually take place until October 23rd or November 20th, depending on when it is they sign with their team. The GMs themselves have a database. They can see where players are signed, what they're signed for, when those contracts expire, like all those details, option years, all that jazz is available to them. I think the struggle is that for those of us who are fans of both esports and traditional sports, we're really accustomed with traditional sports. There being a lot more transparency in, especially in North America, when it comes to contract status. Like I'll use the National Hockey League right now. They're currently going through a free agency process. And I can go to capfriendly.com and I can see what players have signed for, what their contract history is, what their, uh, any, you know, terms to their contract bonus structure. I can see all of that. Um, you see that in a lot of the, the big professional sports in North America. So we don't get that with esports. and I'm not suggesting that that's necessary, but it's, it, it adds sort of this sort of fog. And then when you have players that come out and actually say, hey, I'm a free agent now, when really they're not yet, that. Adds to, freak out. Oh gosh, and they did over Moth. But um, to give you, our listeners, a rundown on all these key dates, trades have been open since October 12th, just as John Spector has said. Option extensions are required to be complete by October 16th. So end of this current week. Free agency doesn't begin until October 24th. The October 24th date is free agents who are free agents. Not everyone will be because there are some option extensions uh, that can be signed through to November 13. So the real free agency doesn't begin until November 20th. So by November 20th, if you are a free agent at that point, you are free. There is no option extension. You might be asking, why are there two dates? Well, if you signed your contract this past season, that option needs to be extended by October 16th. And if it's not as of October 24, you're a free agent. If you signed your contract in 2019, your option extension is due by November 13th and you become a free agent if it's not on November 20th. So again, the fact that this league has different types of contracts based on when year, this year it was signed and have different rules for free agency, I mean, there's a lot of complexity to player movement. The one date that is distinct every team has to have seven players signed to their roster by January 4th. So that's the only sure thing. Uh, now that doesn't mean we're not getting news. I mean, we've already been sharing news of other, you know, player movement and what have you that have been announced. And uh, there have been a few other additional changes. So uh, the gladiators dropped their strategic coach, uh, Curry shot. And then uh, LH cloudy who survived the first cuts did not survive the second. Uh, he is no longer with the gladiators. This one kind of, I find confusing. Like, like uh, I remember we talked a little bit about this in the last show. It's like, okay, so they, they still have all each other. Like, like we were kind of confused as sort of their approach. Like, is this sort of the new roster? Is this the roster going to build around? Yeah, no, I'll let cloud another. And if you happen to catch any of his stream, um, 
I don't know if there's any clips from it, uh, but he wasn't too happy. He's upset. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he is no longer uh, with the Gladiators. And then uh, the uh, Boston Uprising also dropped a couple players. They dropped both Halo uh, and uh, and Mikey. Now, the Uprising dropping players, I don't think that's surprising. I mean, we got to consider the Uprising and the Vancouver Titans were the bottom two teams in the league. I mean, yes, the Uprising won themselves a a, a match in the playoffs, but these are teams that can't run it back. Yeah. Outside of Myung Bong and maybe Jerry, I don't think anybody there stays. Um, So it's just a matter of time until we hear what other teams uh, do. Maybe. Exactly. And I mean, they also have a new head coach and I mean, it, when it comes down to personnel decisions across esports, across, you know, traditional sports, Coaches have an idea of a system that they want to put into place. They have an idea of what players fit within that system. And that type of evaluation happens when a new coach comes on board. So, you know, we're probably going to see more out of, out of the uprising. And, you know, again, really whether or not we know this takes place isn't necessarily this week. It might be next week. It might be two weeks from now, like because again, all of the different dates based on when contracts had been, had been signed. Right. Going back to Moth, though, if he truly does become a free agent, he'd look good in either Toronto Defiant Red and Black or Vancouver Titan Blue and Green, wouldn't he? Of course. I mean, you know, we're not surprised by these things as maybe fans who never looked at um, classical sports or, or, or meat sports because your stock is at the highest it's ever going to be after a championship. So a lot of players want to get those bags, right? They want to get that uh, mm-hmm. lucrative deal. And sometimes after winning one, especially two or three, you just want to try something different. Uh, so I'm not surprised that he was, at least with the intention of shopping around. Boombox, though, uh, his worth, to be honest, was dropping the, at the same rate. Alarm's been getting closer to hitting 18 years old. So uh, he's a good middle-of-the-pack flex support when he was uh, still playing. I don't see why uh, he wouldn't. Uh, look for a team really yeah and i you know the thing about i'm just going to start back to moth briefly you know people say well wait but he's got to be in the plans for the shock i'm sure he is like i'm sure the shock are gonna have a conversation but also consider moth for a good portion of the season found himself on the bench like we were joking around at one point that the san francisco shock bench which was super moth and was it striker who is the who is the architect was it no, Archi- no, Architect or Trained? Striker was on the it bench was for a lot. Striker, I think yeah. it was. We had joked that those three combined with the three of us, you, myself, and uh, and Sam, were <laughs> you know a, a middle-tier team in the oh, Overwatch League. Boston for sure. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it could be that that experience is also sort of, you know, playing into his desire. It's like, no, I don't think there is a professional player anywhere in any experience that enjoys sitting on the bench. Everyone wants to be, you know, in, in front of the, in front of the spotlight uh, when they are a professional player. And in the uh, last news about the Overwatch League, they signed a deal with IBM and you might be thinking what at the end of the season. And I'm like, yeah, 
So they announced it during the grand final weekend, but uh, essentially what the Overwatch League is partnering with IBM to do is to use their cloud computing and artificial intelligence technology for both analytical and interactive content. IBM is actually used by a number of professional sports um, you know, organizations when it comes to getting that data in the hands of not only the, the teams, but also into the hands of the fans. We saw with Stats Lab this year that the Overwatch League was interested in in providing more of that data. And, you know, as a side note, uh, you know, Captain uh, uh, Blani, he's he's actually taken on a role with Overwatch. Right. So, you know, this might be part of this sort of, you know, IBM deal where they're going to do that. So now he can go and do other things for, for the game itself. But I think we're going to see an evolution of, of the data and, and, and what they have. This is the first esports deal from IBM. So I'm, I'm going to withhold judgment as to whether or not this is a sort of a coup for the Overwatch League and getting IBM on board, or is it IBM is now getting, seeing esports as an opportunity and wanting to get in a little bit later than others. So I, I, that part I'm not entirely clear on. Hmm. But they're not going to work with Overwatch itself, right? With the league, I yeah, Overwatch League. So yeah, you're not going to get like IBM AI giving you you know and stats was, on yeah, how your uh, Hanzo is. Yeah, I was hoping for them to make the AI in the game not garbage, so like you could play against AI and it'll be challenging actually. <laughs> um, in the game, Halloween Terror is live. If you logged in. Uh, well, I was going to say today, we're recording on Tuesday, goes live on Wednesday. Uh, you'll have noticed that uh, the Halloween Terror event is open. It runs from now through to essentially after Halloween. Uh, I want to say it's like November 3rd, I think is when it'll be over. Yeah. Um, but uh, again, Junkenstein's Revenge is back. It's that limited time PVE experience. Uh, you've got they actually gave it two modes to Junkenstein, which are I I uh, got to play a little bit. They're pretty fun. Well, there's the revenge challenges, which is adjustments to the actual event. But like we're not yeah. we're not really seeing the evolution we once did. Like you know, the previous seasonal events used to roll out something different, and now it's it's a sort of. And I get they're well new game, and they're focusing really on on the development of overwatch 2 it just i enjoy halloween terror but now i'm no but they added like the ghost mode and the sped up zomnix which is pretty cool mm. did you try it no i haven't yet i actually mm. i i did a little mystery heroes to work on some of the uh the loot crates but i oh, haven't okay. actually had opportunity to to play um new skins though i like the 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 pirate sigma yeah uh, i like it too i like the echo skin actually which is uh, just a, an epic skin, but it's really creepy and well done. Yeah. Now, this patch also introduced some other things. So an improved profanity filter exists. You <laughs> could have different settings to filter out the language that all of the, uh, the kids will figure out ways to work around. Um, so they spell uh, the, poop with double uh, zeros. Yeah, probably. Uh, but I, I, I love this. I love this. So when you're looking at their their the patch notes, it's that it says, please note, using any of the profanity filters doesn't make it okay for players to use offensive language, and we encourage you to report these examples if you encounter them. 
So if you, like, I, I'm not exactly sure what the filter will look like. I have yet to see that. Like, I don't know if it's like asterisks or, or whatever, but like, it's almost like they're encouraging. If you see the asterisks go in and report the person, like can you, you've got the technology that's able to go in and filter the content out yet. You don't have the technology to <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyhow, um, the elevator adjustments we were talking about, they're in game now. Nice. So, uh, your, your elevators will now be more friendly, but you get to lock the legs, (laughs) get the lock. Okay. I haven't actually checked out an elevator since. What do you mean? Lock the legs? No, I mean, soldier. He's good. Oh yes, 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 yes. So that's, I thought you were talking about the elevator. So that was what I was going to get into. Uh, the soldier changes that we talked about last episode they be live Mm -hmm. like so again recap what does this mean bullet spread doesn't exist it's a constant recoil now his bullet damage has dropped from 20 to 19 his ammo has increased though from 25 to 30 so to me that's the wash so again adding this all together if you're accustomed to playing first person shooters where there is constant recoil what that's essentially doing is it's drawing your reticle up So if you're accustomed to this, you know how to combat the recoil. You're essentially drawing it back down. Arguably, those who are really good at the game are going to turn Soldier into a McCree with like an auto rifle. Yeah. Like I I have yet to, I mean, play Soldier because again, it's doing mystery. But the number of Soldiers that we're getting alts on cooldown yeah. <laughs> was unbelievable. Well, you get to put, to try them out in uh, Junkenstein's Revenge. It's a perfect opportunity because you get to aim so much anyways. Yeah. Uh, they did uh, nerf his damage from uh, 20 to 19 per bullet. Well, I know, but they, they gave but, him ammo. Yeah, true. Right? Like, you might, you, you'd argue, well, Chris, okay, yeah, they gave him ammo. So, so instead of doing, like, previously, um, it was 500 damage total if you were to go and, and hit every shot. So the drop from 20 to 19, you know, reduces that. But to give him those five extra shots, yeah, it's negligible. Really, the big thing is the constant recoil and the reduction of bullet spread. Yeah, I tried it out a little bit, and it does feel much, much better than before because the random the randomness is kind of tough and I, I played a little bit albeit it's in plat so not a lot of uh of, you know uh things you can take away from it but at least uh shooting at pharaohs and, and echoes is much easier now in my opinion. oh yeah because you, you can you can almost draw with them right right and and that's the thing like bullet spread didn't matter how well you were able to sort of keep your reticle near them bullet spread was working against you it was the luck of the draw but now that that's gone the the worst thing that a farah or an echo could do with a soldier looking at them is to drop consistently because that's just making it a whole lot easier to draw against the recoil Mm -hmm. or when you rise you essentially lose the recoil (laughs) if you rise i don't even have to i just hold down m1 um there were a few other adjustments as well uh sombra and reinhardt had some adjustments so reinhardt is a voice line has changed when he uses earth shatter. It's for the crusaders. So that's good. Um, hammer down. That's bad. Uh, Sombra's translocator. It's just a smoother experience, but the one that I, I find interesting is with widow. So the grapple hooks now going to bounce off a surface. If the distance between you and the hook is under two meters, 
So it cancels the hook and it doesn't cost any cooldown. You can't begin to imagine the number of times that I've tried to grapple something and I've looked up at it and it's gone and like hooked the pole. Like yeah. that's like, you know, so close to me. So this is, this is more of a, a quality of life adjustment, but again, one that I'm surprised took as long as it did to, to fix. I wonder if it'll, uh, you know, alter some mechanics when you're, you know, going one v one against the widow, and when you do want to get that. Uh, true, true. Yeah, you're right. I guess that that might that adjustment, but like I, the one thing that drives me nuts with the grapple with widow is that, and I, I mean, it's like they're using like an aim assist. Yeah, I know where I want this grapple to go, but the game thinks it knows better and grapples like a lower object or or what have you. Yeah. I would have no problem if the grapple went where you fired it and it was up to you to understand distance. Like, you know, like punish lot, me if Yeah. A lot of players are complaining about them implementing the same type of mechanic on his grapple as well now. So yeah. who knows if if it's here to stay. But uh, yeah, those changes are live. There apparently are a few um, cosmetic issues that are happening in game. So you'll probably see a subsequent patch um, or hot patch, live patch pushed out. But uh, yeah, we're pretty much into to October. Um, I didn't put it in our, our rundown here, but there's also been some scuttlebutt based on data miners looking at files uh, within the game that feel that there's the possibility of an Overwatch 2 beta coming soon. Oof. Now, it's not so much the game. It's more in the, uh, the Battle.net uh, uh, launcher. So uh, we don't know anything about Overwatch 2 at this point, really. Like, what have we heard about the game since BlizzCon last year? Nothing. Like nothing. Like this is actually like I get that the, at the time they said, "Oh, it's not even. It's not even soon. Not yeah. Blizzard soon." It was weird because they gave you so much at one point. And I was shocked that they were showing so much and revealing so much so early, and now there's nothing. Now there's not, and there's been nothing. Like zip zero. No. No story. No like Elite. dev updates. I mean, we're seeing more updates from the devs about crazy torb modes and the addition of rockets because elon musk asked for them uh then then he says it's just a really surreal time in the world of 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 overwatch yeah so here we are wrapping up a solid episode you and i on me we get to reconvene again uh, next week where we get to talk to uh, Karku as we led off in the payload. He is joining us next episode. So if you have questions you want to ask Nathan, get them into us either in Discord, on, on social, what have you. Uh, it'll be a great conversation where we can chat with them about the game, about the Defiant, about the scene. Um, favorite hamburger, I don't know. <laughs> we'll figure things out. think he's a fan of basketball. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we won't ask him any questions about basketball. <laughs> unless true um the other item uh, that uh, you've been seeing us talk about a lot extra life uh we're just under a month away from extra life game day extra life game day is on november 7th and for those that don't know what extra life is again it is a fabulous initiative to raise money for sick and injured kids at children's miracle network hospitals across Canada, united states i do encourage you to check out extra life by going to extra-life.org uh, or feel free to take part in extra life by joining our team or learning more about uh, team rsp by going to bit.ly slash uh rsp extra life 2020 and uh all the all the details are there you have also if you listen to the entire episode probably heard 
uh, a commercial for Extra Life a little bit uh, earlier. So again, I would love to talk to you about those those details. So please jump into RSP Discord and ask those questions, or, or you know, engage us on Twitter. Any final words of wisdom, though, for all of our our listeners there on me? The elusive Sasquatch or an RTX 3080. What will I spot first in my lifetime? I'm going to bank on a Sasquatch. Probably. Unless you you buy one of those, you know, 3080s off of eBay for 40 grand. (laughs) You get the box. You might have a card inside. I don't want to be part of the problem. Uh, Final words for me. Uh, Just as we talked about last episode, if you are a Vancouver Titans fan, if you are a Toronto Defiant fan, and you'd like to join us for an episode over the course of the off season, please reach out. We've had a few people uh, reach out to us uh, to say that they're interested. It um, please do. You can uh, drop us a DM on on Twitter, as some have at Ready Set Phone. You can engage us on Twitter, obviously in Discord. And then for those that might want to just shoot an email our way, feedback at readysetpone.com will will do the trick. Uh, but we're really looking to to get you our listeners involved, and uh, yeah, uh, we'll take it from there. I mean, I, I'm not going to guarantee that every single person says I want to gets on because we only have so many shows between sort of now and the new season. Um, we have yet to sort of work out the schedule, but I hope to have that in the next uh, couple of weeks. We're sort of we're kind of hoping the Overwatch League starts to give us more juice so that we can best predict. Because the last thing I would want to do is for us to go down to a two week uh, schedule and suddenly all this great juice gets released and we're scrambling to put things together but yeah i think we've had ourselves a solid episode and hopefully sam's better now hopefully so on behalf of Ani at Ani Strice, sam at another sam channel myself chris at light force i'm going to sign off this episode of the podcast with his magical words catchphrase Thank you.